You are listening to a sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee, the historic church of Robert Murray McShane. For more sermon content, please visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk. Well, uh, as we continue these Sunday evenings that I've been preaching uh, on uh, our progress through 2 Corinthians, we come to the last bit of this, uh, this section, 2 Corinthians, where Paul is talking uh, quite unashamedly um, about that which we rarely talk about too much in Christian circles, which is money. And uh, so we're going to read together from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and uh, we're going to read from verse 6 through to the end of the chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 from verse 6 to verse 15. And just whilst you're turning that up or swiping through to it or whatever, um, let me thank you for the very warm uh, welcome and reception that you've given me uh, these months that I've been preaching. This is uh, the last of the sort of scheduled Sundays uh, for me to be with you. And uh, I'm sure there'll be odd occasions in the future. Um, And it would be great. But uh, I I have found such a warm welcome amongst you and you've been uh, such a responsive uh, fellowship to preach amongst, and uh, it's just been a great delight. So thank you very much. Uh, thank you for your kindness and concern for uh, Marjorie and I and the family um, after uh, we'd left the ministry at Gilkinson, and uh, that has meant a great deal to us. And uh, we have uh, benefited from uh, your kind-heartedness, and I have certainly, and uh, in many different ways. So thank you very much indeed. And uh, so it's kind of fitting that we close off a section uh, this evening and don't leave too much kind of hanging in the air for those of you who are complete finishers. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, and it will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. He's speaking specifically in that little bit, through us, your generosity about the offering that he's going to come and collect and take to Jerusalem on behalf of the Gentile Christians for the Jewish Christians there. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ, and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, 
their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Well, as, as Paul concludes this section on money, then perhaps uh, more clearly than uh, since the beginning of chapter 8, um, it, it becomes apparent to us that uh, money is really about the heart and money is also about God. So the extent to which Christian church neglects to speak about money, um, it neglects to speak about one important aspect of the Christian heart, and that is the generosity of the heart, and neglects to speak about God, who is, as we'll see, the, the sort of the, the, the center, um, rather like the center of a Catherine wheel. Uh, the center is around which everything gets flung out. Uh, he is the center, uh, the, the centripetal rather than the centrifugal center of all our generosity in whatever way it shows itself. So I just want to um, draw out some of the, the, the principles about giving here uh, that Paul uses as he presses home finally uh, his exhortation for them to follow through on their good intentions by actually collecting the money and having it ready for the time, by the time he gets there. So draw out a few principles and then um, just uh, allow the passage, so to speak, uh, to take us to the God who has given us his indescribable gift. Um, the first thing that, that, that Paul does is he uh, just sort of draws to, to a conclusion on this is, is just to point out something which is a, a common way of describing giving in the Old Testament, or reasonably common in the Old Testament, um, and uh, it just follows right through into the New Testament. That is that giving, financial giving, is like sowing for a harvest. Um, and that is to say that financial giving is future-oriented as well as um, to do with just meeting a need that somebody has that has stirred your heart. Um, or put it in another way, um, it is like making an investment. And there is a return on the investment. Uh, one of, the, one of the, the, the key things that, that people look for in business is the ROI, the return on the investment. And if you don't think there's going to be a return on the investment, basically you don't make it. Um, not, all in, in, not all returns are financial, uh, and there are all sorts of returns on investment that are not financial and can't even be measured. But nonetheless, you think in those ways. And essentially, since farmers are businessmen, that agricultural picture of what, what you're sowing has to come back in terms of investment, uh, a harvest, then, um, a return, sorry, then, then the, the, the imagery sort of leads us into the fact that God sees the generosity with which we sow, with which we sow into other people's lives, with which we sow into his work, with which we sow into the coming of his kingdom in people's lives and in areas. Uh, God sees that, and he creates a return on that investment. Now, unlike uh, the businessman or the farmer, who is a, just an agricultural businessman, Unlike uh, that, we don't give in order to receive. Our giving is not <coughs> manipulative. Uh, God is not like some kind of slot machine that you feed the money in and pull the levers and out comes even more than you've put in. So the giving is not a sort of a, a twisted form of selfishness or acquisition. 
But it is just an encouragement that Paul uses here. There are, there are sort of bits of, of, of Old Testament verses, particularly from Proverbs, um, that, that, that get put together here in what looks like a quote uh, in verse 6. Whoever sows, you'll see that the word whoever uh, is in, has a capital W after the colon there. Remember this, it's like he's quoting something. It's, there isn't one verse that says that. He's pulling together uh, several parts of um, particularly Proverbs, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Uh, a few weeks ago, when we began to look at this uh, section, 8, eight and 9 in, in 2 Corinthians, um, we finished our first look at it by reference to uh, a song um, that uh, Keith and Kristen Getty wrote. Uh, and that absolute gem line in it is just one of, the, one of the best lines in anything they've written for capturing what's going on um, in the, uh, the, the way Jesus uh, teaches the disciples about the widow with her, her mite, uh, putting it into uh, the basket, and Jesus saying she's given more than the people who put in loads of money because she's given 100%. She's given everything. And that little line from Keith and Kristen Getty's song is not what you give but what you keep is what the king is counting. Not what you give, but what you keep is what the king is counting. And so it just comes a little challenge from Paul to the Corinthians. Uh, look, when, when you are getting the offering together, when you're preparing uh, for my arrival, when you're um, collecting the money, don't make it a loose change. And that principle applies right across the Christian life. Uh, don't make it the loose change of your finances that you give to God, just a little bit you've got left over at the end when you think about it kind of thing, when you've spent on more important things. But, but make it a generous gift. So generously. So into other people's lives generously. So into the work of God's kingdom generously. So into the work of the gospel generously. Because God sees it. And whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Why? Because God sees the heart. And God sees what's really going on in us. Other people might see the finance, money, or might see the time that we put into things. But God sees the heart, which is where we left it, left it last week, wasn't it? It's where Paul uh, left it in verse 5. Then it would be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. He sees the heart. God sees the heart. So we're thinking of from 2 Samuel. Man looks on the outward appearance. From, uh, God sees not as man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So why is it that sowing generously means reaping generously? Because God delights in the heart that is as open as his is. God just takes delight in seeing his sons and daughters being just like him who gives generously. And it, it, God responds to that and blesses it. Which is why the second thing 
um, about that passage follows immediately in verse 7, that giving really is from the heart. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, um, or more accurately in the original, a hilarious giver. Uh, so there you are, the offering baskets come round, you're, you, you're standing at the end of a row, you got prodded, and, uh, so to speak, and... Um, or uh, in, in, in the olden days when there were pews and the, the, there would be a big long pole with a box on the end of it coming your way, you know, and uh, it's kind of like, oh, I'm knuckles and I'm in charge of the offering, bang, you know, you, you knew what you had to do. Um, I, I, uh, when I was a probationer, um, not on probation, well, I suppose I was actually, um, Church of Scotland minister, um, I had to do my probationary period at St. Giles Cathedral in Edinburgh, not exactly a hotbed of evangelicalism, uh, either then or now. And um, we, we had big special services, uh, sort of civic occasions, um, civic religion. And uh, one of them involved uh, loads of people from the armed forces. And uh, one of the older assistants uh, was going around to the deacons who were doing the offering beforehand and, and telling them, because uh, some of us had these boxes with wooden poles and saying, just, just nudge the officers because they get loads of money and so, you know, they're going to cough up. Um, which is the very model of everything that Paul is talking about as being wrong in verse 7. <laughs> how, how, um, how typical. Um, because it's not under external compulsion. The whole point is uh, that it's coming from what's inside. And of course, that's just exactly what life in the new covenant is. Paul is the minister of the new covenant. As he's been writing about in 3, 4, 5, he is the minister of this new covenant which brings life. And what is one of the hallmarks of the new covenant days that we read about in both Jeremiah and Ezekiel? It is that God puts his spirit within. And his spirit within moves us, causes us to walk in his ways. In the ways that he does things. To walk like he walks, so to speak. And so that which God responds to is that which is just like him. That which delights the Father is that which shows that we are really true sons and daughters of him. And so we should give not reluctantly or under compulsion. But God loves the cheerfulness that comes from the heart, the gladness to give. God loves the way in which uh, when his spirit is at work within us and amongst us, then we'd like to give more. So we're thinking about another Sunday evening about the woman who broke the alabaster jar of ointment and spread it over Jesus' feet. It was a massive, massive gift financially. And in terms of, of, of you know, her, her emotional security, or whatever, it was a huge gift. But would we think for one moment that she went home regretting it? Would we think for one moment that she went home thinking that she had lost? Not at all. She had given, but it was gain. I bet if she'd had another pastor jar, she'd have used that for the other foot or something. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just, it's longing to give. 
very telling moment, isn't it, at the end of um, Schindler's List, uh, just, just near the end, before it goes into color again and we get uh, all the Jews filing past Schindler's grave, um, where uh, he is saying farewell to many of the Jews that he has worked with, uh, whose lives have been rescued by his work, and he's weeping. And he's not weeping because he's lost everything he had, though he had lost everything. He's not weeping for all the, the, the money that he tried to get together and then give, for all the gold he'd given, for all his possessions that he'd given. He's weeping because he sees a ring on his finger. And he's weeping because he says, that ring, if I'd given that ring, more lives could have been saved. This is giving from the heart, which is not loss, but is gain. So that you, you feel, you know, the delight of God in your giving. God loves a cheerful giver. And do you notice what, what it is that God is loving there? That he's not loving the money you've put in because there's a lot of it. He's loving you as you've put it in the basket or whatever the equivalent is. He's not loving the time that you have given to somebody. He's not loving the patience that you have shown as you've listened. In verse 7, it's the giver that he's loving. So easy for us who love things and sometimes are more turned on by things than by people to think that God is the same, but he isn't. When our delight is in the giving and what that does for somebody, then there is an echo of that huge, resounding echo of that in the heart of God. So our giving is like sowing for a harvest. It's future-oriented. Our giving is from the heart. And then in 8 through to about the first part of verse 11, 8 through 11a, the giving really is all about God. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So as God gives to you, that word grace has already been used by Paul as a synonym for cash, right? synonym for money. Um, so we didn't get too sort of, um, uh, how can I put it, too kind of ethereal um, about what grace is here. Grace is pretty hard cash in these, these two chapters. So as God causes, in his, causes grace to abound to you, make all grace abound to you, as God is, supplies your need, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Yireh, um, however you want to try and pronounce it, um, as God provides all your needs, and look how uh, abundantly he does it, all grace in all things, at all times, having all that you need, right? God is not stingy. He is not um, 
mean. He's not tight. God does not have, as we were thinking last week, God does not have deep pockets and short arms. He does not have a padlock around his wallet. God, who just gives overflowingly, abounding grace to you. So as he does that, he causes you then to abound in every good work. And what's the principle that Paul is, is sort of laying out here? It is that God is actually the source of all your giving. God is the source of what you give because you only have anything to give because God has already given it to you. So, you know, as, 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 um, as is said in, in many an Anglican church, after the offering has been given, we give you what you have given us. We give you but your own as we sing it. From the Psalms, I think. Is it from Psalms or Numbers? Should have checked. <laughs> but he is the source of what we give. But he is also the source of the desire to give. He's the source of the gladness to give. He's the source of the impulse to give. What holy impulses would we have? What godly impulses would we have were it not for his spirit working in us? None. None. It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. If we do one good and godly thing in our lives, just one, then that is a mark of the mercy of God. So God is the source of our giving. The source of what we give and the source of the desire and the impulse to give. It is him who is able to make us giving people. A community of generosity as we were thinking of last week. And what Paul writes to the church in Philippi? That it is God who works in you both to will and to act according to his good pleasure. Both things. The impulse and the deed. The intention and the carrying through. And so it is for the church in Corinth. And so Paul ex- sort of expands on that um, as it is written. Uh, and it, it's uh, written in Malachi 3.10. You'll find echoes in Psalm 112 verse 9 as well. Uh, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And what a wonderful um, picture it is of, of, of God sowing. Uh, there is the, you know, the sower who goes to sow. So he's got the, 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 the bag tied to his waist or over his shoulder, whatever. And he's just scattering the seed. And he's not saying a little bit there and maybe a little bit there. We've got to test that and some there. He's not meeting and doling sort of mingily or whatever. He's scattering it abroad. And, and, and someone with a heart like Judas Iscariot would be looking and thinking, what a waste, what a waste. Well, that's not very efficient. Certain kinds of people who are not like Judas Iscariot might think the same thing. If your inner accountant gets the bitter of you. But no, God scatters abroad his gifts to the poor. 
to the people who are undeserving, to the people who have little, nothing, and His righteousness endures forever. So as God scattering His gifts abroad is a sign not of His inefficiency, not of His profligacy and wastefulness, but in actual fact as a sign of His righteousness, so as He works in you to cause you to do what He does, verse 10, now He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed. What happens? You enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So as God scatters His gifts liberally and widely, sowing the seed into all our lives widely and wonderfully, generously, abundantly, not, not measuring our deservedness or, or, or trying to work out whether we're really going to make the best use of that five pounds or, or whatever it happens to be, or whether we're really a deserving cause, or, you know, whether, you know, he's not going to check through all your bank balances to make sure that you're not going to waste that 50 pence he gives you, kind of thing. As he scatters abroad wonderfully and liberally and generously from his heart, that is his righteousness. And as he does it into your lives and causes you to do the same, then the harvest is a harvest of righteousness. The return on investment that was hinted at in verse 6 turns out here in verse 10 to be godliness, being like God, being righteous as he is righteous. So the the offering basket coming around or getting the details of the bank account of the congregation so that you can put in, (laughs) just in case you were wondering, um, not out. Um, spotting somebody in need and not working out whether they are a deserving cause but giving out of grace, giving out of the impulse of your heart, not giving to those who've jumped through sufficient hoops that you've just invented out of your minginess, but just giving in that overflowing, scattering abroad way that God does. As you do that, As the opportunities come, and they will come this week. As you give even out of your poverty, as the Macedonian churches were doing, and as Paul is encouraging the Corinthian church to do. Whether it's money, whether it's time, whether it's substance, whether it's food, whether it's hospitality in your home, whether it's clothes, whatever it happens to be, as you do that, you are being godly. You are being like your heavenly Father. And righteousness is being reaped in your life. So its source is God. The source of your giving is God. Our giving is being like God because, of course, God himself is the great giver. And at this point, we kind of anticipate the way that Paul rounds off, not just this section, that is 9, 6 through 15, or 6 through 14, but rounds off the whole of his discourse in chapters 8 and 9 about the gift that they need to get ready. He is the great giver. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God 
for his indescribable gift. Because, of course, God did not simply give us stuff. And we ought never to think that in giving us righteousness, God has given us a lump of something, like he's gone to the righteousness cupboard and opened it up and taken armfuls of it out and given us that stuff. Because what he has given us is his son. And we are righteous because we are united with his son in his death and in his resurrection. Because it is his son who is our righteousness. So the indescribable gift that we have been given is not some religious stuff, some Christian stuff, some stuff of good Christian character or good Christian action. It is Christ. It is His Son whom He has given. He who gave us His own Son how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? What more could he give you than he has already given you? He has given us his son. And for all that we know that the son's great desire was the father's glory, for all that we know, he, he came and lived and died and rose again so that he might be Lord. And for all that we know that the glory of God is the goal of the gospel. God is such that his glory is as much about his giving as his receiving. He is not like us. He is not a big version of us. So that when we think of his glory, we're thinking about him being glorified only and adored and receiving adulation and praise and worship and glory and honor and power from us. The glory of God is also in his giving. How else could Jesus speak of his glory as being the cross? So God is glorified in our giving because it's just, a, a, it's one of those, like a shard of a mirror that catches the light. Or like when you're, you're, you're across one side of a valley and on the other side you see something glinting. It could be something as small as a, a little window in a house. And the brightness of the sun is in your eyes. Or if you're a bit more technical, like a, a hologram. If you break a hologram, every single bit of what you've just broken, you see the sheet of glass with a hologram, every bit of that sheet of glass 
will contain the whole picture that the whole sheet of glass once bore. So when we give, we are being like God to his glory, for he is the ultimate giver. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Which, of course, brings out, uh, just gets our heads around the, the, the final uh, point to draw out, and that is that um, our giving causes thanksgiving to overflow. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs, verse 12 I'm reading from, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. You can help somebody to have a thankful heart not just by telling them that their hearts ought to be thankful, but by giving them something. It's not rocket science. It's very simple. You can help somebody who is downhearted to praise God by giving them something. So somebody is you know, downhearted, they're downcast, they're, uh, they're, they're feeling pretty down in the mouth and down in the dumps and all the rest of it. And you don't need to, to start quoting scripture out of them. You don't need to start quoting the psalmist saying, why art thou downcast my soul within me? You don't need to rebuke them. Just don't even take them for a coffee. Go and buy them a bag of nice coffee and the cafetier if they don't have one. Think it through. Or just find a way of, of, of anonymously slipping them some money that would help them. Or just find a way of blessing them with some outrageously ridiculous gift. Now my favorite example from, from, from my life, and there have been many, and... and uh, and there have been many ways in which you have been very kind to us uh, over the time that we've been here. Um, a couple, just back in, in, uh, in August of last year, we were facing a very difficult weekend. And um, it was going to be a very difficult Sunday. And uh, so it could have so easily have been a very uh, glum and grim weekend at the vicarage. Except that somebody that we know who uh, began worshipping uh, with us, uh, Gil, happened to own in his collection of cars an Aston Martin DB9. And uh, yonks before, he'd said, uh, Mike had said to, to Marjorie, oh, if Dominic ever wants, because uh, he knew that I rather admired, in a totally de detached and objective way, uh, <laughs> he uh, uh, the work of Aston Martin. 
Um, that, uh, and so it just so happened that um, Mike had said to Marjorie uh, just earlier on that week, oh, I said, uh, the, the Aston's free this weekend. I'll, I'll just drop it round. So I woke up on Saturday morning and Marjorie handed me an envelope in the envelope with the keys. To the Aston. I looked, I thought, what is this? And it was sitting outside. So Matthew and I had a wonderful Saturday afternoon belting up and down the back roads of Deeside. Um, and uh, it was quite astonishing. Just be creative. Just be thoughtful. Just do something ridiculously irrelevant. In short term, just learn to put a smile on someone's face. And in doing so, you'll be like your Heavenly Father. Just for those of you thinking, I've driven a DB9, I've driven uh, a newer Vantage, um, I've not yet driven a Vanquish, in case any of you <laughs> might. Uh, but there we are, rather fancy a Lamborghini. Um, the Aventador Superleggeri is just so mental. Anyway. So, good people of St. Peter's Church, Dundee, how will you know that God is at work within you? There will be many signs. One of them will be that scattered all over Dundee and beyond, there will be hearts that have been turned to God in thankfulness because God has been at work within you and amongst you. What a wonderful thing it is to be able to have an impact on people that causes them to thank God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that um, as we learn from the rest of your word, this letter of Paul um, and these chapters succeeded. We thank you, Lord, that Paul was able to go and, and spend time with this church in Corinth again. We thank you that some of the rifts were healed. We thank you, Lord, that this fellowship in Corinth gave along with the church in Macedonia and the gift was taken by Paul and his companions, the church in Jerusalem, from Gentiles to Jews, from those who had little to those who had none. We thank you, Lord, that your word was fruitful in the lives of these immature and recalcitrant and partisan Corinthians. And it is our prayer that your word would be fruitful in our lives. Whether, Lord, it's the money, or whether it's our time, our abilities and gifts, whether it's our homes, whether it's the contents of our fridges, whether it's 
the thoughts in our minds as we go around the supermarket filling our trolleys. We pray that your astonishing, giving heart would be our heart also. We pray in Jesus' name, a wonderful, wonderful name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee. If you found this sermon has been helpful to you, please help us to continue building up and assisting the people of God. Visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk For information and training on persuasive evangelism and how to share your faith biblically, please visit the website of SOLAS, the Centre for Public Christianity, at solas-cpc.org. Once again, that website address is solas-cpc.org. Thanks for listening.